We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Show three in the Open Championship Super Preview Week. It is DraftKings Millionaire Maker Picks because the pricing is out and the pricing different than we are used to at any DraftKings golf tournaments. We'll talk about the new set of pricing that is out, the different ranges that we have, maybe some strategy, and of course, we'll finalize everything on Wednesday with Tambo, who might have the best insight into this because that's why he's so good. He picks up on this shit right away. So obviously, we'll try to do our best to break it all down. Then we'll talk about all the players that we like by range. Obviously, play in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League. It is already 37% full. Three max entry, $15 to play, no rake. Over $100,000 of rake-free guaranteed money. You will not find a better tournament on DraftKings this week. It does not pay out a million dollars to the winner, but there's no rake. And it's flat payout, so you might like actually win money if you come in ninth place. That sounds pretty good. The link is down in the description right now on the podcast, on the video. So please, let's get that full. And maybe this time next year, they double it and give us $200,000. Maybe we can get it big enough where they will give out a million dollars. Probably not, but it would be nice. And the only way to do that, to try it out, is to fill it as quickly as possible. Also, Kenny Kim, Joe Adone, I am giving away $2,000 to one lucky person out there. Did you guys enter the draw? I'm not in it yet. Are you in, Kenny? I, I am not, but I don't expect to win, so I probably won't be in the draw. Well, how are you, <laughs> you going to win if you, if you don't enter the draw? Hey, if I'm allowed to win, I'll put it in. You, anyone is allowed to win, except for me. Okay. Is Feinberg able to win? Feinberg is able to win, yes. If his name is drawn, okay. he's the winner. Although if I pull his name out, I might have to be like, I, I need to pull another name out here. This seems very rigged. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with rigged. Okay, keep well, it in house. Pat. Yeah, we'll keep, keep it in house. house. The winner is Kenny yeah. Kim. There we go. Easy stuff. So basically, uh, if you hit the description, I have all of the details of how to enter the draw. But the main thing is to subscribe, rate, review, five stars, uh, and leave your Twitter handle or email address in that review on Apple Podcast and on Spotify and sub to the Mayo Media Newsletter. That's all completely free stuff that you can do if you sub to the channel on YouTube. Boom. Those are more ballots. You share the show around. It's one ballot per share on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, no matter what it is, you see it, you share around some open championship content, and boom, we are good to go. That gets you in that draw for 
thousand dollars. All right, fantasynational.com slash mayo will get you 20% off. All of your stats, research, lineup generators, simulations, whatever it might be, it's all up on fantasynational.com right now. So let's dig into this because I thought it was curious. It's not what I was expecting when I saw that the DraftKings pricing had come out. Scotty Scheffler's up at 12.5, Rory's at 11.9. I was like, that sounds like it's going to be very difficult to build lineups. But then all of a sudden, almost hearkening back to like the first two years of DraftKings golf, Kenny, that we got guys in the $5,000 range this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to go back. Like, I was better at GPPs back then, so maybe this is a good thing for me. I don't know. Uh, you know, so uh, I was looking at it. Even I even made, like, a Rory Scheffler, like, fuck around lineup. And I was like, this could still work. This could still work. I mean, there's guys down there. I mean... It's it's going to be like, you know, throwing a dart most likely. But there's some guys down in that 5,500 to 6,000 range that sort of piqued my interest. We, we'll see. I don't see – I mean, there is a difference between, let's say, Emiliano Grio at $6,600 Joe and Martha Stewart. Michael Stewart from Scotland at five at, at the min at 5,500 bucks. Actually, that's probably not the min. There is – yeah, $5,500 is the lowest you can go. So he is the mid. Now, there is a gap between the quality of player there. Obviously, Grio just won on the PGA Tour. But there are guys in the upper $5,000 range, in the very low $6,000 range, who are, I don't want to say legit players, but they're real guys. I think there's it's going to be a very interesting strategy week, one that we haven't seen in a while, seven brands. Pricing gap between Scheffler and the bottom of the board opens up a ton of options. There's discrepancies in talent like we always see at the Open Championship, but it's also, I would say, the least predictable in terms of the top of the board of the four major championships. I believe over the last 10 years, the average OWGR position for the winner is like 24th. So it's not as top-heavy as we see like a U.S. Open or a Masters that play year after year with the top guys always consistently rising to the top. There's a lot of different ways to play it. Like Kenny said, you can go, you can stack two at the top and dig down in that five low 6K range, or you can build what I did with my first lineup was a much more sort of balance, and you get a lot of strength in sort of playing a lot of 8, 9K guys. Kenny, do you think that the balance or just jam in every good player that you can and fill out the bottom? Because I already have a list of six guys here at the bottom that I, that I think are fine that you can play yeah now, I, I, I okay let's say you had, let's say you had 100 bucks after you've entered the pat mayo experience listeners league you have an extra 100 bucks left over and you've decided you want to play four entries in the millionaire maker how do you think that you would construct those four lineups would you go two and two two balanced and then like two scotty rom scotty rory lineups I mean, the thing about it is it seems like balance is going to be the easiest way to go because from like 7,500 up, I mean, there's talent all over the board. Uh, even even maybe from 7K, up, there's, you can you can make lineups still that are normal type regular week lineups where you don't have to go into the 6K range. Uh, so, I mean, I think that will be the popular way to go. Personally, I mean, Scotty and Rory seem like the two guys that I want to start all my lineups with um this week so if i'm gonna go in that range it's gonna be hard for me to get balanced and be able to get guys in the 9k range that i want in the 8k range that i want which could be a dead zone uh you know so for me i think i'm gonna go more in that stars and scrubs uh, atmosphere just because you can get you know a, a couple of 10k guys or like a, an 11k guy like rory go to the nine 
and then fill it out and you know try and keep it with all the studs up top and then just throw in some punts on the bottom. I mean, like like Joe said, this is the Open Championship. It is more variables in this tournament than any other tournament probably all year that we'll see on the PGA Tour. I'm in alignment with Kenny, Joe, that Scheffler and Rory, I think I, they're just very clearly the two best plays, hence why they're the most expensive. Very curious to me, though, that at DraftKingsSportsBook.com right now, in most books that you're going to see, Rory is the favorite over Scotty. And that, and we're recording this before the final round of the Scottish Open, but if Rory goes on to win, I mean, Scheffler's right there too. Uh, if Scheffler wins, he'll probably end up being the favorite going into Royal Liverpool. But as it stands, when the pricing came out, Rory is like a three-point favorite. It's like 7.5 to 1 to 9.5 to 1 or 10 to 1 or 9 to 1, whatever it might be, over Scheffler. Yet, in the DraftKings pricing, Scheffler is $600 more. You don't normally see that. Yeah, occasionally we'll have a few flips like that, but rarely at the complete top of the board. Um, in my opinion, Scheffler should be the favorite in the sports books as well as he is here on DraftKings. He's playing so much better Rory's got the popularity aspect. He's obviously got the defending champion here at Hoy Lake aspect of it. And people just want to root for him, I think, more than they want to root for Scotty, which is sort of built into maybe some of the outright pricing as they'll see more casual betters come to the come to the ticket tables uh, this coming week for the final major of the year. But for me, it's Scotty. I I don't know. You guys are willing to go up there at 12-5, though. I'm not quite there for me. Okay, so let's we, we talked about a few different types of builds. Let's try to talk through a Scotty Rory build because I just like, oh, that sounds tough to do with the quality of player that you're going to end up having to take. But I didn't find it was all that difficult to make lineups that I like. You go Scheffler, you go Rory, you have $6,400 remaining for the rest of your four players. But you can jack that back up pretty quickly. And like I talked about, once you get to the high sixes and low sevens, all of a sudden you're back into like pretty good player range because uh, they've really like filtered down the 7Ks and 6Ks because they've introduced this 5K level. So like if you wanted to like Thomas Peters, Seb Straka, Chris Kirk, Gary Woodland, Kitayama, Moronk, like they're all $7,200 and below. Brian Harmon, who's having a great week at the Scottish right now is $7,300. Like you can have those guys on your team and you could probably turn out to be pretty good. The problem would be is you have to have one of these 5K guys or low 6K guys to boost your average salary back up to this level. So I'm going to run six names by you right now six names that i actually five names that i like one that i think is just an absolute flyer because it's the bare min but like you mentioned joe that we can potentially see some weirdo names here and when we were talking before the show i think we all came to the same conclusion of one guy really sticks out especially because he's in good form right now he's a link specialist and he's fifty six hundred dollars is matthew southgate joe going to be super highly owned Absolutely. Yeah, especially for people who want to gravitate toward the top. Um, he's playing pretty well. He did the 36-hole qualifier a few weeks ago and got into the Open Championship. I believe when I looked at some of his numbers, two of his best four ball-striking rounds ever have come in the last four tournaments. Now, I think he missed the cut this week at the Scottish, but I'm not too concerned. At 5,600, he's a guy that's worth a flyer. And if you could stack Rory and Scotty, you don't need a ton out of someone like Southgate. Like a 31st place finish at that low of a price point when you can get those top two guys who potentially both finish in the top three um, is a great result for you. 
he hasn't played in the Open, Kenny, in the past three years, but his two previous, the last two times he played, 2018-2017, T67, that's not really going to help us. T6, not so bad. And he has two top 12s in his past four starts. Yeah, when it came down to it, he's the first person that caught my eye when it comes to uh, uh, the people down there, down below, in, in a cheaper range. He was one of them. I mean, he's positive. Of course, he's a link specialist. Like Joe said, he's had uh, some success here lately. Like, I think he's going to be super popular, especially one of those top, top builds. I don't know if we'll get to like double digits, but for like a $5,600 golfer, maybe 8%, 7%, something like that, he's going to be in that range. Yeah, and one thing, you're doing your show on Mayo Media Network, Fantasy Golf Degenerates, on Sunday evening. Or when's it coming out? When are you guys recording? Yeah, we're recording sun- Sunday night. Okay, so Sunday night, your show is probably going to come out that or very early Monday morning. I'll be finalizing everything with Tambo on Wednesday, but I am curious, uh, and maybe, Joe, you know the answer to this, what the correlation between Scotty, Rory, and Southgate will probably be. Like, if Southgate is 5% owned, I would guess that 4.7% of those lineups are Scotty, Scheffler, or Scotty, Scheffler, Rory, McIlroy, Matthew Southgate lineups. (laughs) Absolutely. If you got to go all the way up to the top to $12,500, you have to search down here in this range in order to have some sort of consistency and viability in the middle, which you're going to have to take one to two guys from. So I would 100% agree with you. If you have people taking Southgate or taking Alex Fitzpatrick or these guys down here at $5,500, they're almost always going to have one of the top two in that same line. Alex Fitzpatrick was the other one that I was talking about at the bare min at 5,500 bucks. I don't think that I'm going to end up getting there, but I did enjoy seeing what, the way that he qualified by chipping in from some like weirdo bunker. That was fun, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you, you got the brother narrative. I, I, I'm not so sure about him. I mean, I, I don't really know too much about his game. Uh, uh, what is he on the challenge tour over yeah. there in Europe? So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't watch that much challenge. I'm not, you know joshua perry or something like that <laughs> betting on the on those on, on those events so i'm not too familiar with him i'm probably going to pass on him southgate's the one uh that i was looking at down there i mean if you look at southgate if we're going to go back i mean he, he he's played about 100 links rounds in his career he's he averages about a half stroke gain total uh over the field uh per round i mean that's around the same numbers as like you know a minwoo lee a, a, a brian Harmon, uh, a max homa uh, all around that sort of half stroke gain uh, in a Lynx round throughout their careers. I mean, th- that's not the worst people to be compared with, uh, you know, in this field. Uh, but uh, Alex Patrick, not, 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 not for me. Yeah. Well, who are the guys down there you like? Because I'll just list off a few that are $6,200 and below. So you have Southgate at 5600 My guy, Thirsty Lawrence, at 6200 Jorge Campillo, who was the guy everyone was betting on the DP World Tour like two months ago. Now no one wants anything to do with him. He's $5,700. Wacky Valamaki, the Finnish Flash, he's a big man. He is $5,800. Daniel Hillier is, like, actually good. He's $6,100. He just won on Euro, had a bad Saturday at the Scottish Open, but he was very much in the mix for a while. Then Ewan Ferguson, the Scottish guy, who is actually kind of in the mix, is $6,100, Joe. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Daniel Hillier because I had never heard of him, and then I saw that he won his last event, and he has also two top fives. <laughs> 
outside of that in his last four. So I'm going to do a little bit more digging into him. I also had some interest in looking at um, who was it? Not it was Seam Marcel Seam. Um, two top tens in his last four starts. He had a top fifteen at the Open two years ago at Royal St George's, uh, which is also obviously in England. So interesting numbers coming out of him. And he's right there at fifty eight hundred. Connor Simi, I know, is popular with a lot of guys. I know Ryan likes him and my buddy Luke. So a couple top 15s coming in for him. But yeah, there are some guys that are absolutely viable in this range that you can plug in and maybe potentially get a top 25 finish out of. And if you're able to get that out of a guy in a $5,000 price range in DraftKings, you're going to have a good week. The Would you think that the play would be to double up in this range and to get yourself back up? Because even if you use Southgate with Scheffler and Rory Kenny, you're at $6,600 for your final three guys, which is doable. Like I mentioned, Griot's at 6600 bucks. But I know a name that you had brought up was Antoine Rosner. I don't love Rosner this week, but even if you went up a little bit more and said hell who can we go let's go with hillier because i i mean i played hillier this week i play actually i played ferguson this week too so hopefully that can work out if we go up to ferguson southgate and ferguson at the bottom we now have seven through 69 50 for our final two players you kind of do whatever you want in that spot at seven thousand we're talking about players like norin and peters peters has a really good history lucas herbert nick taylor chris kirk seb straka rasmus hoygaard roman langescu who uh, ended up making the cut. Jordan Smith, who I think is going to be pretty popular this week. Alexander Bjork didn't really light it on fire at the Scottish Open like we all hoped he would at chalk pricing and chalk ownership, but he did pretty well. He's still at $6,700. Thorbjorn Olsson actually has a really good open history. He's 6600 So you can kind of jam one of these guys back in to get back up to Siwoo Kim, Russell Henley, Thigala, Neiman, like that sort of range. Does that sound like something people are going to do or do you think that people will be too uncomfortable with Matthew Southgate Daniel Hillier Ewan Ferguson and all of these random dudes that basically no one knows yeah I mean it's gonna be tough like I said but I mean if you're gonna stack those two guys up top I mean you really have no choice uh you know you gotta gotta try and get that third guy who you think can have uh really winning upside in that you know low slow to mid 7k range and there are a couple of guys definitely in that range where you can go to that have that upside that top 10 uh you know coming down to it so i don't think it's going to be a popular way to go but i don't hate it i mean you just go south gate and valimaki uh down there valimaki is what 57 5800 uh he's another link specialist and you know almost averages uh a stroke more uh is a strokes gain total about one stroke gain total above the average uh in, when he's in links uh, when he plays links courses uh, you know, so he's a guy that you can look at down there. I mean, he's had, you know, maybe a couple of top 25s in his last made cuts. So he's not like uh, impossible, but I mean, that's what you're looking for down there. One guy, a couple of guys who can get you into the top 25 lucky. And then hopefully you can get up to that low to mid 7K range and find one of those sleepers that finishes in the top 10. Yeah, you even have some like older players or potentially... <sighs> Guys that we know can be good. We always see sort of a veteran presence break through. It's hard to peg who it's going to be, Joe. But, like, Stenson, open champion, is down in this pricing. Francesco Molinari is down at, what the hell is he, like, 6300 bucks. Dietrich, 6400 bucks. Guido and Hoagie are both $6,400. Pablo Lefebvre is $6,300. You could build a line. Let's say you take Scotty out of it and you turn Scotty into Rom. 
which, listen, it's a huge gap in pricing this week. You could go Rom, Rory, Hatton, Southgate, Ferguson, Valamaki if you wanted to. I don't think people will use those sorts of lineups, and those just might be objectively bad lineups. But it's pretty intriguing to get two 11K guys and a 9K guy in. Yeah, and I would even go one step further. Like, I'm considering starting with Brooks. I think Brooks is going to win, number one. And number two, you're you're shaving $2,000 off of Scotty Scheffler. I don't feel like the gap between their two um, expected results is $2,100 difference in DFS. And if you save that two grand, you can go from guys like Daniel Hiller and Thurston Lawrence and bump up to an $8,000 player like Tom Kim or Tony Finau. So you can take some of that variability out with one of those 6K guys and replace it with a Finau, a Sung JM, a Tom Kim, a Justin Rose, one of those players. If you if you think that Brooks is going to play well this week, which I really do. So you can go Brooks, Rory, Hatton, and essentially just kind of have the same thing where it's Southgate and Ferguson. I think I'm going to have a lot of Southgate and Ferguson with these types of builds. And then you can have Grio or Thorbjorn Olsen as your last man in at $6,600. Now you have a high 11, Rory's 11.9. Or you can go like Rom Brooks and save even more money if you wanted to. So I think I, I really like this pricing, Kenny, because it, I mean, it's going to really cut down on the amount of, not that there's a ton of dupes anyway, but similar lineup construction, you can play it with a bunch of different ways. Because if you did want to go Rory Scotty, that's viable. You can make that work pretty easily, as we've spelled out. But now if, let's say, you don't want to use one, you want to use Rom and Brooks, or you want to use, hell, Cam Smith and Brooks, or Xander and Brooks, or Xander and Rom, all of a sudden it's really easy. If you just have one of these punt guys to do what Joe said, get back up to Tom Kim and Sam Burns in that range. Yeah, I, you know, I know Joe said, you know, it's the average world ranking has been like, what, 28th, 23rd uh, for the winner. But I mean, I think there's only been like in the last 10 years, I think there's only been two guys outside the top 30 that have won. I think it's Lowry and I think it's Els. Uh, I think everybody else was inside the top 30 uh, who, who's been there. So you, you sort of want to. I mean, you know, these studs now are true studs. I mean, you don't see that, like, weird winner anymore. You know, I guess the weirdest major winner we have seen last five years, I don't know, Shane Lowry might be it, you know, you know, at the Open Championship. He might be the lowest-ranked guy. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but he might be the lowest-ranked guy that's won a major uh, in the last five years. So, I, you know, going with these guys up top and starting your lineup that way with a couple of these guys and trying to find that punt seems like the most logical way to go. And then when it comes to Scotty, the way Joe was talking about it, where you could save two grand and get Kepka, I'm really interested in seeing what Scotty's ownership is going to be with that sky-high price. I mean, if he's, you know, he's been 20 to 40%, basically, in, in events, uh, in a lot of these uh, GPPs in, in the last six months. If you could get him at like 15%, 12%, this is the best leverage you're going to get on Scotty the whole fucking season. And you know that the, the skill level, the way he's playing, he's one of he's the top player in the world. Uh, I don't know why he only has two wins. It's him and Rory in my book. I, I, that could be something where a lot of people thinking the way Joe is, and you can go ahead and just snatch Scotty up top at 12 to 15%. I, I think that Scheffler is going to end up being, because of this pricing, Joe, I mean, Rory's probably going to be the highest owned. The way that we're talking about this, just in terms of early ownership, because we don't really have that big of a gauge, it sounds with the way that we're talking and just intuitively, Rom and Cam Smith are just not going to be, they're going to be owned, but not like the other three. 
I would agree there. I think that people are going to go to Rory number one because they're going to see the discount off of Scotty and they're going to see that he's the top price guy on the odds board. They're going to see that he's a defending champion here and they're going to sort of gravitate toward that. And then it's going to be Scotty up top. You know, we get it. It kind of depends a little bit, Pat, on contest selection and how many people are in there. If you're in a five dollar, like a more casual contest, I think a lot of people are just going to naturally gravitate toward the top like they do. You know, in, in a Sunday NFL $5 contest, they're all going to want Patrick Mahomes, right? They're all going to want Scotty Scheffler in this format. And I think that he becomes very popular. And if you can sort of avoid that, I do think that you gain some ownership leverage. If you want to take Rom, if you want to take Cam, or if, even if you want to start with Brooks, um, it opens up a lot of the 8K range, which I think have some good players. And Kenny made a good point about there's not a whole lot of like outside the top 30 guys winning, but these guys in the 8K range are like 20th ranked player in the world. You get your Sam Burns, you get Wyndham Clark, Bryson, Hideki, Shane Lowry, these type of players, which I do think hold a lot more win equity than going down to someone in the low sevens or high sixes for me. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joe, when you look at Open Championship history and performance, do you put much stock into what happens at St. Andrews versus the other courses? Because I really don't. No, I think St. Andrews is kind of an anomaly given the length, given the the ability to sort of spray it off the tee. I look more at St. George's. I look more at Burkdale. I look even a little bit at Portrush. Um, and that's kind of why I like Brooks because he finished top six in all three of those events versus St. Andrews. But, um, I, you know, it's weird because we had the giant gap of almost 50 years before we came back to Hoy Lake. And then the Tiger year, this place was insane. I heard Patrick or Patrick Harrington say that you couldn't even set a club on the ground without it slipping. That's how firm and fast it was. And then the Rory year was much different where it was softer. So I think as we pay attention to weather conditions, I do think it plays probably more soft with rain in the forecast, like the Rory year. Um, it's coming here, but as this sort of week progresses, we'll have a better pulse on what the weather is going to do. And that's ultimately like the determining factor in score in most of these links courses. You spoke a little bit earlier about the balanced build, and that's somewhat what you like. Now, when you speak about balance, are you talking about balance starting with Brooks or balance starting even lower than that? 
yeah, at this point, like I said, I'm going to pay attention to the weather, but I'm okay starting with Brooks. I, I feel like this course sets up perfectly for him. And the research that I've done, I do feel like it favors someone who can play a cut off the tee. If it's firmer, if it's faster, if it's harder, I think that plays more into his hands. Look, the Tiger year, notoriously, you know, he hit all those, he had 85% of fairways or whatever it was with taking two and three iron. Brooks is awesome with a three iron in his hand. If that's sort of the strategy that he's able to deploy, I think he's the best in the world there. And his off the tee numbers, I know Scotty is is the gold standard, right? But he's not that far off of him. He's actually longer off the tee in terms of driving distance. They're almost equivalent in terms of accuracy. Their approach numbers are very similar. I think he's a little bit better around the greens than Scotty, and the numbers would would dictate that as well if you look at the last 24 rounds. Just really solid. He's been great in all the majors this season. I, I just think he is a great, great value. And you don't, it's not often you're going to catch him at $2,000 savings. That's my my thing with it. So I, I tried to build somewhat of a balance and not start with Brooks here. I actually didn't use any five-digit player. I started in the 9K range, Kenny. But this is what you can do. You can go Fowler, Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, if that's your preference. I like all three of those guys this week. Daniel Hillier to save you all that money and then go Minwoo and Neiman as your other two guys. It's a pretty, like, if you believe in one of these bottom end guys, the balance build that you can use, like, just stack your lineups. Yeah, I mean, if you decide to have that one punt play, like you were talking about, that low 6K, uh, high 5K, and still go balance up top and not go into the 10K range, I mean, your lineup's going to look like it's stacked. You know, that's the way it is. But, I mean, then how much win equity are you losing by not going with the guys up top now for me you know i'm a cash player um so that's the way i'm building my cash lineup i'm you know i'm sticking with the nine k's eight k's not going into the i mean i have hovland so hovland's going to be my highest guy uh you know but then you know it's really easy to build a a cash lineup that you really really like uh but i I, again like i said people are going to see that and they're going to see these monster lineups that they can make and that those type of builds i think are going to be the more popular way to go uh, like I said, I personally, I like to go, I, I'm going to go more up top. I'm definitely playing Rory. Um, you had me thinking about Kepka. Now, Kepka, the worry I have with him is, you know, the way he grinds majors is why he's so good, where he, where he doesn't make the mistakes, uh, doesn't get the big numbers. Well, at the, at the Open Championship, you're going to have to score also. You know, I mean, this isn't going to be a six under, seven under, five under type of you know, winning score. I mean, even the year Tiger won, he was, what, 18 under. Like you said, it was concrete out there. Uh, now, granted, I don't remember what the other scores behind him were. Maybe they were poor, and he just won by a lot because it's Tiger. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so that's, you know, th- that's sort of the worry that I have with Brooks. Like, if he plays that, you know, that, that major type of, you know, mind frame that he has where he grinds it out and he's hitting it to the middle of the green, that might not be enough. That might not be enough. This week, just because it's the Open Championship, it's the easiest, high, lowest scoring major we have. Um, so uh, we'll see. It could also be the highest scoring major that we have at the same time. It just really depends on the conditions that pop up. And I think it's going to be a yes. little bit firmer than we think. It looks like it's going to rain on Sunday and then we get no rain again until like midday on Friday. So if it can, the course can bake out a little bit, that would be nice. Although the temperature doesn't look like it's going to be super high uh, the entire week, a bit earlier in the week. But they're going to be playing like high 50s, mid 60s, which is great for Lynx golf. And the wind is 
going to get up and then it's going to rain probably Friday overnight and kind of flip the course. So would you like when you take weather into consideration, Joe, at the Open Championship, do you just have to blindly make your wave stacks and just hope that you hit the right one? Because it does feel like we're bad at predicting the weather in Florida. This is like 10 times harder. That's so hard. It, notoriously, the last couple of years, I know that uh, like everyone who's tried to do it has kind of been on the wrong side of it. And even this week at the Scottish, like I was of the opinion that um, yesterday or, or Friday afternoon, excuse me, was going to be extremely difficult and the wind was going to basically double. And that didn't really play out. So it can change at the drop of a hat on these coastal courses. Uh, it's very tough to predict, but I do think there is some validity there that we always, there seemingly always is some wave. Now, whether it's predictable or not is another story, but whether it's the AM, PM or PM, AM, one of them usually has a stroke or a stroke and a half difference. And if you want to play that route, if you're doing multiple lineups and just try to stack guys together, um, if you get it right, you're going to get it really right. Do you have a preference between Rom and Cam Smith, Joe? There are two that I probably won't play either of, to be honest with you, Pat. Cam just has the intangible to me. I worry that Rom is discounted this week, and it could be another spot, kind of like the Masters, where he came in very quietly um, and not in bad form either. Cam is just hard to figure out exactly why he's so good. It's obviously the putter, but you're not going to look at stats and make a great case for Cam Smith this week. He just has the intangible ability to score and pull magic out of a hat. And he's got something really special with the putter and around the green game. And he obviously just won in London. So the confidence is at an all time high. He played great at the U S open. He was right there um, at Oak Hill as well in top 10. So he's trending in great form. His game's in a good place. And I would probably prefer him for the upside as I feel like he's not going to be very high owned at all. I don't think he'll be very high-owned, and Kenny, I think I prefer Rom to Cam Smith. That's my lean right now, because it does feel like I need to get some Rom in my life when it comes down to it. But do you have a preference between them? Because Cam Smith, look, I mean, he won the Open last year, but had one top 20 finish, which was T20 in his previous four starts. Like, he just doesn't drive the ball straight. He, gets, he can get himself into a lot of trouble with this course, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the trouble is, you know, there's 14 drivable holes. You know, I take away the par threes and almost half of them have OB. And like, it's not like OB that's like really far away from where people typically hit the ball. It's OB like pretty fucking close to the middle of the fairway in some <laughs> holes. You know what I'm saying? So, so the worry, of course, you have is how he sprays it at, at, at St. Andrews last year. It's perfect, perfect, uh, course one because he can bang it out there with the 80 yard fairways. Hit it wherever. Now the thing is, you know, the other half of the, you know, even if he misses the fairways on the other ones where they don't have OP, there's like, you know, knee high, waist high fescue. Okay, if you miss uh, after maybe about 15 feet of rough, 20 feet of rough uh, after the fairway, there's going to be that knee high, that that tall fescue. The worry, of course, with Cam is going to be his driving. Uh, and the thing is, if he misses, he can, if he misses, the problem is. His misses could be two-stroke penalties um, instead of just trying to chop it out of of the fairway. So that's the worry I have. Rom, much better driver of the golf ball, much more accurate off the tee, and he still has the length. I, I, I'd much rather go Rom 
than Cam Smith. I, I would go Rom as well. So it just seems like Cam Smith is most definitely the play at this point because I think a lot of people are I know, right? on the same side as we are. Like, mm-hmm. put it this way I bet Cam at the PGA Championship and the US Open in the 30s, and now he's been cut in half. And obviously, he's on a fantastic run overall and on live, just winning in London. Not, I mean, Centurion's not really comparable, I don't think, at least, to Hoylake. But he gained eight strokes putting at the US Open. He gained 7.6 at the PGA Championship and came fourth and ninth. And he hit his irons well both those weeks. And obviously, the PGA Championship this year at Oak Hill was a much more difficult driving test than what we saw at LA Country Club, where you could just kind of spray it wherever you wanted. It wasn't that big of a deal. So he actually gained on the field, 0.3 strokes. Like, that's where you want him to be. But it just, Joe, it seems to me like he can't gain strokes this week with his off the tee. Like, it's just going to be impossible for him based on how he drives it. Even if he clubs down. And he brought he's not, in a, yeah, he's not long enough to yeah. club down either. No, he's not. He's outside the top 100 in driving distance. And Kenny brought up a great point about how the out-of-bounds lines really flirts with the edge of the fairways, particularly on the right side of, I believe, six holes. And it's white stake. It's reload. And not only is that coming off the tee, but in a lot of cases, that runs all the way up to the green. So you could miss a green 15 yards to the right, and you would normally be fine. And in this case, you're dropping one in the fairway and reloading. So the inaccuracies of Cam Smith uh, could be exposed this week. And you brought up a great point about how his number has basically been chopped in half. The one that hasn't really been chopped in half, who's also been playing really well from live, is DJ. And that's who I have a lot of interest in. He was up near the top of the leaderboard after two days at this tournament last time. He's leading the live tour in birdies this season. He just seems to have one round and not only just one round, one hole that's taking him out of the tournament. It took him out of the masters. The one hole was the difference in LA between him basically being at the top of the leaderboard. If he doesn't make eight on the one hole, he's playing really underratedly solid and his number seems to really be favorable. And even in DraftKings this week, I think is a really attractive price for the way he's playing. Yeah, to look at his live results, 5th, 8th, he was 10th at the U.S. Open, 23rd at uh, Live DC, then he was 55th at the PGA Championship. That was a really bizarre one, where he had mm-hmm. it go, like, he was there, and then all of a sudden, Kenny, he just disappeared. Yeah, that first round, I, I talked about this the last time out, you know, that first round, I think he was paired with Xander and Hatton, and he looked strong. He had that, like, that look in his eye, like, like, like prime DJ, like, and he, and he was dead serious about it, muttering under his breath when he missed shots and stuff. You know, you don't really see that. It looks like he's really focusing on these majors. And, he's, and he improved uh, when it came to the U.S. Open, had a couple of more good rounds instead of just that one. Uh, maybe he's gearing up. Maybe this is a, a, a good primo spot for him. And I think it's, what, $8,200? $8,400 on DraftKings? $9,200. Oh, is he $92? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. That was 1000 up, But still, I mean, it's someone to think about at that range. I mean, going around around him is what Morikawa interests me. But, I mean, like, you know, other than um, other than Kawa around there, I mean, in that lower 9K range, and Hatton in that 9K range, I mean, he seems like he could be a good play. I spoke uh, with Bamford, and he kind of brought this up as well, that distance from the edge of the fairway might be a good stat to look at. Like, who just kind of keeps it straight? Because driving accuracy, I mean, we can weight fairways gained on Fantasy National. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get that 20% off, by the way. 
but that's just how many fairways are you hitting versus the field. Great stat, maybe not the most telling this week where you know, you're going to roll through the fairway. These fairways are really thin. Who just kind of keeps it in the dead? Who hits it where they're trying to hit it almost every single time? Uh, if we talk about some players who are in the field this week, uh, Kenny and Joe will play Family Feud style right now of the top 15 players on the PGA Tour, if you don't have it pulled up in front of you already, in terms of distance from the edge of the fairway. Would you like to take a crack Kenny with the first pick. Uh Rom? No. Connors. Connors is number six. Kenny. Grio? Grio is not there. He's not inside the top fifteen. He is number let's see, seventy nine actually. Really? Yeah, I'm surprised by that. Joe. I am too. Uh, how about Colin Morikawa? Number one. Kenny, you have one strike left. Tom? Kim? Tom Kim is 12th, so you are correct. Joe? And give me Patrick Cantlay? Patrick Cantlay 16. So he, too, is up there. Some of the other names that are up on this list, uh, Henley and Harmon are two and three. I don't believe Reevee is in. You mentioned Corey Connors. The Glove can still play himself in. He's number eight. Sungjae is also T8. Siwoo, Spawn, Tom Kim, Putnam, who has played pretty well at Lynx-style courses. Aaron Rye's not in the field, unfortunately. I mean, it's probably fortunate for me that he won't take my money. Svensson is 19th. Uh, Lee Hodges is most definitely not in the field. Tom Hoagie is 22nd. Rom is 26th, actually. Matt Kuchar, Zach Johnson, Tyrrell Hatton's 30. I think Lee Hodges is in the field. Is Lee Hodges in the field? Okay, well, just don't play him I on Saturday. Don't play him on Saturday in Showdown. You'll be good. <laughs> Hovland is number 35. So Hovland and Rom and Hatton are like the best, and Cantley are the best at this stat of all the best players. And then you have like your Smalley, Seamus Power, who WD'd this week from the Scottish. Not sure what his status is going to be. And then you have Molinari, Hideki, Bezadenhout, Eckrote, that type of guy, until you get into Matthew Fitzpatrick and Justin Thomas and Adam Scott. Adam Scott is a really interesting one this week, Joe, because I just think when people go back and look at course history from 2006, now remember, 2006 was almost 20 years ago, yet we're going to draw a lot of conclusions from this random tournament that happened almost 20 years ago. And 2014, Adam Scott inside the top 10 of both those, and we see a lot of former Masters champions up there in both those tournaments as well, Adam Scott, obviously, a former Masters champion. Bamford brought up TPC Sawgrass. Obviously, Adam Scott, a former Players champion, which I think was over 20 years ago at this point. I think that was 2002. Adam Scott won that event. But I just feel like at his price point, he's going to be very popular. I think he will, too. I don't know that I love Adam Scott this week for for a couple reasons. I think he's doing it majority with the, with the putter lately. He's losing strokes on approach um, over his last couple of events. So as the irons have slipped a little bit. And I do think and I have similar concerns about Rory that I have honestly about Adam Scott this week in the last two majors and even Augusta National, you can put into this really have not penalized players for a off the tee. And you brought in distance 
from the fairway. Basically, we, we were just talking about it. These guys, when they miss, they miss by a lot. It Oak Hill didn't really penalize people. LACC had these super wide fairways, and we know that about Augusta National. I worry about some of the off the tee stuff here. I was looking at Fantasy National earlier, actually, at driver right avoidance because that's where I feel like the majority of the trouble is. And Adam Scott is actually fourth worst in the entire field in driver right avoidance. And Rory's in the top 10 and worst players as well. So I just worry about some of the inaccuracy off the tee could lead to big trouble with basically you're either in knee-high fescue that's completely unpredictable or you're reloading off the tee and dropping another ball, which I think is my concern about those two players in particular this week. Yeah, looking at the right avoidance numbers, if we go from the bottom of the list, Kenny, some names that pop up. Harrington is actually the worst in the field over the past 24 rounds. Nikolai Hoygaard, Adam Scott, Ryan Fox, Sam Burns, Charles, Thigala, Willett, Lucas Herbert, Rory, Guido, Brennan Grace, although he doesn't have a lot of like qualifying stats. Hatton is up there as well, although I do feel mm-hmm. like Hatton has really discovered something with his driver. It didn't really happen so much Saturday at the Scottish, but he's been hitting that thing with a lot more confidence recently. Yeah, I mean, in the last 50 rounds, he's been inside the top 10 in this field. Uh, in strokes gain off the tee. So obviously there's something there. The guy's been playing just excellent golf too. Uh, I mean, if anyone's deserved of a win other than Scotty, uh, I mean, Scotty's won this year, who deserves a win this year other than Rory, uh, who hasn't won yet, it's probably Hatton. Uh, the guy's been playing lots of top 10 finishes. He's been playing probably his best season uh, on the PGA Tour, his most consistent season on the PGA Tour. Uh, he's already penciled in as one of my cash game cornerstones. Okay, interesting. So let's kind of go through the players. We talked about the top of the board. I, Joe, do you think it's more of a scattershot week at the top where you play like four of the five big names, maybe three of the five big names? Because I'm just thinking like I'll play some Scotty and Rory and Rom. I'll probably just have equal of those guys and then play Brooks and then start to pick and choose below that. Yeah, I think at the top that's the way. I probably feel like cam smith will be the lowest owned of the bunch if you want to play the ownership game but that sort of remained to be seen and, and potentially tea time dependent on the weather waves but um xander and victor are going to be attractive there right nearly at 10k even victor's been playing great xander is an interesting one because he's seemingly playing good and gaining strokes across the board but his finishes he's just not getting there it's like if you want to take someone at 17% ownership, you're probably going to get a 17th place finish out of Xander. And that's kind of the way it's been all season. He's not blowing up and missing cuts, but he's rarely finishing inside that top 10. And it's just not enough potential upside or, or win equity for me. So he would be the one that that I'm most likely going to avoid. I'm probably going to fade Hovland, Kenny, just because I've been speaking about the creativity that you need at this place. I don't think that he necessarily has that. Now watch him go out and win because that's just what happens to me. But I like Fowler more than I like. I like Fowler more cow and dustin those are the three guys in the nines i like yeah i mean i like Hatton just because i think a win is coming for him at some point in time at a major so i'm just gonna randomly just bet him for every major for probably for the next couple of years and i'm gonna play him uh on dfs for every major for the next couple of years because you know the talent is there he has decent yeah pretty good history at the open championship a couple of top 15s uh in his last couple of years i i get the creativity part but the thing is you have seen slight improvements in his short game this year there are a couple of shots I forget either of PJ Championship where you know he was hitting some really touch Phil-esque 
type shots uh, around the green. So maybe he's getting the idea and getting more creative and being able to, to, to visualize what he needs to do around the greens a little bit better. Because obviously, you know, he says he's working on that because he knows that that is his weakness. And I feel like it has improved. Uh, and so the way he strikes the ball plus the improvement around the green makes me love had, but I do like Morikawa a lot uh, this week. I'm on your, I'm on your boat. I know you're, you're the Morikawa whisperer. You're the big fan there, Pat. I, I'm ever since the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the tournament of champions where he, where he blew that and started my year off crappy. I still don't forgive him for that. Uh, ever since then, I've sort of been off, <laughs> of him, but I'm back on, uh, you know, he looked good uh, this last time out. Uh, you know, when it comes to the iron game, you know he's going to be accurate off the tee. You know his iron game is going to be strong. These greens aren't like crazy undulating. They're slower. Hopefully it makes it easier. They're flatter than most typical greens that you see at the Open Championship. Uh, yeah, I do like Kawa down there in the 9K range. Who are your 9K guys, Joe? Because I don't know what to do with Spieth. Spieth and Cantlay are the two most confusing players to me. And I, I can't tell if Spieth is going to be super popular or super low-owned based on what he did in Scotland. Yeah, I'm not going to play speed. DJ and Fleetwood are my two favorites. I think Fowler is third on that list. And Cantlay is the interesting one to me because I don't love the prospects of Patrick Cantlay, but I feel like that nine next to his name is a bit unusual, and he's probably the best, most well-rounded player of the bunch if you think that he's able to, to win and to find a little bit of form. I don't love if the conditions are gnarly, and there's not really a stat that points out to this more than the eyeball test, but um, he's the big question mark for me. But I would say my I, I'm more akin to, to jump toward the bottom, and I like Hatton, Fleetwood, DJ, that sort of stack there, and even Shane Lowry. I'll probably have plays in mostly that range. Uh, I, I have a feeling that there are going to be very few people playing Cameron Young at $9,000 this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you were looking for a leverage play, that could be it, although I don't think that I'm going to get there. Kenny, do you do any sort of like meal prep or anything like that? Or are you just sort of like an Uber Eats kind of guy? I spend like $10,000 a year on Uber Eats. What you need to do is go to factormeals.com slash mayo50. It's meal prep, but you just kind of heat it up. You don't have to sit there like for an hour and make your food. So I highly recommend that you, Joe, and everyone out there watching, go to factormeals.com slash mayo50 to get 50% off your first order. Okay? Do it for us. Smash the like while you're here as well and give me your two favorite $9,000 plays down in the description. Let's talk 8K because we haven't really hit this range. And Joe, you've been talking about it. Power rank your top three from the $8,000 range. Okay. Um <laughs> surprisingly even to myself i think that wyndham clark is my favorite play in that range um so i'll go wyndham clark hideki and then i'll take a flyer on justin thomas the justin thomas thing is really really interesting to me because i no one is going to use him <laughs> kenny i bet him this week and obviously yeah he is not going to win so did I. the scottish open unless uh you know he shoots well i i feel like maybe joe you remember this maybe kenny you do i i can't remember the exact year and if it was this tournament or not but i feel like brendan stone shot 60 to win the scottish open one year on the final day when it was like the hardest conditions ever he just went out early posted a score and everyone just fell back it was. I mean, that could happen. Absolutely. That, yeah, that could happen Sunday at the Scottish Open. 
I mean, it's supposed to be like 40 mile per hour winds. Of course, you know, the uh, the PGA moves the tee times back so we don't get the full carnage throughout the day and maybe have somebody in the uh, early tee times go off and do what they needed to do. Everyone's in like a two hour window. So we're not going to see that. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 we'll see what happens. So with Justin Thomas, just looking through his three round stats at the Scottish, and I kind of pointed this out when we went into the Scottish Open preview with Feinberg last week, that Thomas just had one like really bad round over his past six rounds, and the other rounds were actually quite good. Uh, and he's been just kind of middling this week. The putter has been frigid. He's lost three strokes putting through three rounds, but he's 17th tee to green. The irons haven't been as good as you would want them to be for Justin Thomas. And may- most of that is based on sort of a poor-ish round three where he drove the ball incredibly well, but didn't really do anything else is this just a case of us trying to talk ourselves into a guy that we're used to seeing being 18 to 1 20 to 1 or ten thousand dollars on DraftKings, kenny and we see that price and we're just being suckers by taking it every week i mean you know he has the skill in him you know what i'm saying so everyone's everyone wants to get on board guys before everybody else and you know really the only way to do that is when someone's playing poorly to jump on them early you know they oh maybe he can come back especially at this price uh i'm with i'm with joe i'd rather have Wyndham clark uh that than justin thomas this week he was my favorite play this week for the scottish open um he's not doing the best out there right now but he's still top 15 in both strokes gain off the tee and strokes gain approach in this field he's just dead last in putting uh and you know he's actually a pretty freaking good putter uh he's also really good around the greens here recently as well i mean he makes a lot of sense uh, and you know he don't mind playing with the big boys, winning a Wells Fargo, winning the U.S. Open. Uh, so, like you said, I, I, I'd i rather go Wyndham Clark than Justin Thomas. Hideki is 89, Bryson is 88. I don't want to spoil it, but I think, Kenny, that Tim is leaning towards picking Hideki to be his Open champion. I mean, that's fine. Hideki is – I'm off of him. I'm usually a Hideki guy, but he just struggles so much at Lynx courses throughout the last few years. He just hasn't been good. Uh, you would think – the way he strikes the ball and his short game is good too, that he would play well uh, on links type courses. Now, again, this is a little bit different because it's a lot flatter. There aren't the mounds. Maybe that gets to him. I, I don't know, but I mean, just, just looking at his track record, it's not the best. Um, I don't know if I, I, I go there unless, you know, he gets some ridiculous 6% ownership and I can get 15% and be two and a half times the field. Then maybe. Would you play Bryson or Hideki? Bryson. Joe? I think Bryson as well. Um, seven consecutive top 20s. Now, that's the majority on live with these shortened fields, but a couple of good performances in the majors. He's top fiving. I just have concerns a little bit about the course setup and the penalty for a big off-the-tee miss. I'll probably want to dive a little bit more into how he's been trending accuracy. And he is some a player that is willing to like club down and take three iron or four iron on a lot of these holes. He's very proficient with it, and he still hits it like 250 off the tee with a four iron. So it's going to be a no-door to disadvantage um, you know, in distance-wise whatsoever. And he's just been striking the ball really well. His confidence seems to be trending a bit more in the right direction than I see out of Hideki. That was where I was going with the Bryson thing. Like, I think he's finished inside the top 20 of each of the past three majors. Not at the Masters, but he had a good open last year uh, where he kind of charged back after just making the cut. He was top 20 at the U.S. Open. He was top five at the PGA Championship. And I do think that 
hey, if there's one player who's going to pull a, not Tiger and win by a bunch of strokes in 2006, but a Tiger who just says, I'm putting my driver in the bag for the rest of the tournament, I weirdly think it might be Bryson. Mm-hmm. Bryson or DJ? Because I could see DJ hitting five iron off of every tee for some like, and just be like, yeah, I'll roll it down there, and I'll, I'll hit my gap wedge 140 yards, and I'll just try to two-putt every single hole. And that might just be a very good strategy where you don't get yourself into any trouble. At the low end of the $8,000 range, Joe, is this the lowest ownership we're going to see on Tony Finau at his lowest price in, like, five years? Yeah, I think that Finau is going to be a bargain, and it's basically because the recent form has sucked. Uh, but his open championship form, if you look a little bit more long term, is is pretty good, and he's a relatively good links player. I was wondering, you know, I was curious to ask you, Pat, and I was thinking about this with Justin Thomas because it's a weird anomaly, and you think of the player and the skill set that someone like Justin Thomas has with the ability to be creative and move the ball and really savvy around the greens. And in some instances, he's really embraced poor elements. Like he had that great round at the Sawgrass a few years ago, but his links in his open championship history has been really poor. How do you sort of rate that in terms of like, are you weighting that with different players, how they've played on Lynx courses in the past? Or is it just one of those things where if they get it right, they're going to get it right? I think it depends on what level of player that we're talking about. I think if Justin Thomas comes out with his A-plus game, I don't really think it matters where he is. He's going to win, just like the top 30 guys in the world. It's just so hard to get up to your A-plus game for all 72 holes. I think the farther that we move down the board, like when we're talking about Southgate or some of the European players, or hell, even someone like JT Poston or Ben Griffin, or Eric, I mean, if Eric Cole can get himself into this tournament, Eric Cole, that you're like, oh, I've seen them play well on Lynx courses. That's good enough for me if they're riding a modicum of recent form because I think it matters more to the less skilled players than it does to the more skilled players. If that makes any sense. It does. So, but with Finau, he's played the open championship six times and never finished outside the top 30. So there's something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you look at Finau, what a couple of years ago, he finished 15th at Royal St. George's. He was coming in off back-to-back missed cuts. Hadn't had a top 10 in about five or seven events, which is basically what's happening with him right now. Well, uh, I need you know, a, I need him not to win so he can win next week in Minnesota because I have a future on that. Or maybe he wants to go back to back and bring the Claret Jug with him to TPC Twin Cities and hang out with Tambo for like three days. But all of the leverage guys that we've talked about so far, Kenny, sorry to, to have cut you off there, but whether it be Spieth or potentially Cantlay or Cam Smith or, I mean, Rom is in a different class, uh, Cam Young. Justin Thomas, Bryson, of all those guys, I think I'm probably the most willing to play Finau of that bunch and just gamble on it. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right to me of the guys you just mentioned. He seems, and with the price, it just makes it super attractive. He could be like your fourth guy on a team, really, if you go uber balanced, you know? Uh, when when can Tony Finau would be the fourth person on your team, and it's definitely possible to do this with. Yeah, I mean, you could even do it the other way, too. Like, if you want to do one of Joe's builds where you had Brooks at the top and then you dropped a hat and, like, Finau fits that almost perfectly, doesn't he, Joe? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I don't want to dismiss Justin Rose either because he's having himself a tremendous year 
fourth, eighth, twelfth, ninth within his last five starts. So the ball striking numbers have really been there. And I like him with sort of, you know, we've we've seen the open championship and it's rare and sort of Colin broke the mold with a first time winner. But there are some trends there that point to, you know, having the ability to play at multiple times and some history with the championship and um, just all the elements that come in surrounding that type of event. It's advantageous for a player to have some notches under his belt. And Justin Rose has that. And he checks the current form box as well. Sung J M or Tom Kim, Kenny. Tom, I don't play Sung J on loose courses. Uh, he's just horrible. <laughs> uh, he, he, his strokes gain average is half a stroke minus half a stroke. Every time he's played, uh, that's his average for any to every each round at least courses. I don't play, I don't play Sung Jae links. So Tom, I'd rather have Tom. So you'd rather have Tom over Sung Jae. Do you like Tom Kim this week? Yeah, I mean the guy's been playing well this week uh, at the Scottish. I mean if his if he gets really steamed up, uh, it, there's so many good options around him. Uh, like Rose is probably my second favorite play behind Clark in that 8K range. That you know if he's one of the top 10 highest stones in the field, then it might be worth not going there because his track record technically at Open championships. I think he's only played twice. Hasn't been great, uh, but he is playing well uh, at the Scottish, which I don't know. I don't know. Scottish, there's only really only, it's, it's sort of like a faux linksy. You know, it's not like the true links, but it has that link style and he's playing well there. So it, it could be an ownership fade for me with all the other options that you can get in that area. Like, I'd sort of like Homa better at 8,400 uh, than, than Tom. I mean, Homa's doing the same thing as Tom, where not that great at Open Championship, but playing really well uh, at the Scottish Open in the last couple of years. The game is there. You know he's a winner. Hey, this could be the time for Homa, really low ownership. Yeah, Homa and Burns, Joe, I think are very interesting here, both having pretty good weeks at the Scottish. We'll see how it ends up coming out. But as Kenny said, like the – the Renaissance Club and basically every other single open championship venue don't really have a ton in common. It can get windy. It's over there, so that's something. But uh, the faux links is a real thing. Like, it's not as penal to... You don't find yourself in that much trouble, unless you're Sam Burns and you're arguing about a piece of sod. Yeah, that was an interesting one this morning. I don't get where his... Where he's... Like, it was obvious you play it as it lies, right? <laughs> I thought so, too. I, I see what they were saying about it. How it was loose? It was loose because there was like a bit, there was like a gap between the like sod that was down and like where the bunker started. But apparently because it was just the space in between that he couldn't get relief, which seems far more detrimental than actually having to like hit into a hill. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand that. But Burns, I think you will get a decent, uh, if you want to play the ownership game, he seems to be well under-owned as he was this week. And he sort of has that volatility that you may be looking for in a big GPP in terms of the upside. But I feel more confident saving a couple hundred bucks. And like we mentioned, Finau, Rose, or even Tom Kim. Um, and even going down to the high, the high sevens, I think there's some good players there as well that I like also. Let's talk about the sevens and sixes before we wrap this up. And we'll try to come up with the ultimate lineup at the very end. But Adam Scott, I mentioned at $7,900, that if there is a lot of steam towards Tom Kim, 
I do think that doesn't really take away from Justin Rose. It only or Justin Rose or Adam Scott. I think that only sucks away ownership from Burns, Homa, Sungjae, and Tony Finau even more than we're already seeing. Because I do think Kenny that Adam Scott is going to be one of the most popular plays on this slate. And I'm guessing you were probably considering him for your cash game cornerstones as well. Uh, he's in my initial cash lineup right now, but uh, after listening to Joe talk about him, I'm having some <laughs> doubts. I mean, like other guys in that area, probably like Gooch is, you know, I mean, the guys won like four, five times in the last year or a year and a half or something like that. You know, you could throw him in there. Um, I like Corey Connors and I, if the wind picks up, he's one of the best wind players out there. You know, he's going to be accurate uh, off the tee. Um, I like Patrick Reed a lot. He had some good finishes here uh, lately uh, on live. If the problems are all to the right off the tee, you know, Patrick's not the best off the tee, but he hits that, he hits that draw, uh, you know, uh, so he's not usually going to miss to the right side where all that trouble is, where all that OB is. And you know he's creative around the greens and stuff like that. And so in that like top 7K range, I- I'd rather have those guys. I-, I like those guys a lot in GPPs, and I- I- I'll have to think about Scott a little bit more. Yeah, you mentioned a couple different Open Championships, Joe, that you can kind of draw from, and St. Andrews is not going to be one of them. I really do think the the Morikawa, Spieth, Rom, Louis year at the very end is the one that that was what Royal St. George's that you mentioned. I think that is the one that I want to look at here. Yeah, I, I like that one as well. And those conditions were really favorable that year. So if the wind is down and the course is relatively soft, I think that that's a good one to look at. Uh, and then Burkdale as well. I remember were, were pretty similar conditions as well to that. If you and both both in the UK, so. Yeah, both in the UK and both, I mean, Spieth ended up beating Matt Kuchar, unfortunately, for my bank account mm-hmm. towards the end. But you saw like that type of player end up towards the top of the leaderboard. Now, Spieth has been there twice. That's why it's just like when we talk about open championship stuff, like I think I might just blindly play Spieth because he plays well at basically every open championship, regardless of where it's held. It just it, it, it gets the juices flowing for him for whatever reason. But Morikawa, Spieth, Louie, not the longest guys off the the T some I mean Morikawa is not a creative player but he's one of the more accurate players and then you kind of take a look down the list like Mac Hughes creative player John Rom creative player Louis creative player Brooks is up there as well Scotty Robert McIntyre Grio Dustin Johnson so you have this weird mix between your big driving great iron player and then you're kind of like spray it all over the place I'll get it up and down from wherever else because you mentioned there was a lot of scoring which we expect this week but minus 15 was the winner, minus 13, minus 11, minus 11 for T3. But, you know, minus four got you inside the top 20 at the same time, Kenny. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the creativity is important around that. And that's why, I mean, if guys, you look at Spieth, I mean, overall in almost 50 links rounds, his strokes gain average is plus 2.5, which is all, more than anybody else in the field the next closest is xander and that's only in 34 rounds this is from 2014 to 2023 and he's at 2.1 females at uh not female speed is at 2.5 hovland is actually at 1.8 uh and now that's only 18 rounds uh, but, you know, interesting stuff when it comes to links. There's always different ways to go about this. And I know a lot of people are worried about the long drivers, the long miss, uh, you know, with the, with, the, with, the, with the wide misses. But there's going to be someone in this field that's going to use driver a lot and have an excellent driving week that's going to be in the top five and has potentially to win this event. It, that's just the way it's going to happen. There's going to be that one guy who just drives out of his ass. 
you know, the, the whole week and, and is aggressive and can win this event by a lot. You could see that possibly happen uh, this week if everyone else is going conservative uh, and stuff like that. Because Rory, when he won this event in 14, you know, he averaged like 60 more yards than Tiger did off the tee, yeah. uh, you know? So uh, there's different ways to go about it, always in links. Uh, and so you have, you can't really just focus on one type of game set that a person has. You sort of have to bring everything together and make your decisions that way. Yeah, I would agree, but I, I do think that this course opens it up, just like Burkdale did, just like Royal St. George's did, where it wasn't as much of the case last year, where Bombers just dominated at St. Andrews, like they do at Augusta every single time. And Bombers, if they're hitting the as I spoke about with both Ben and Steve, and we've talked about it, if you hit it long and you hit it straight, you're going to be fucking fine at this course. You're going to be fine at any course in the world, but you can bring yourself into a lot of trouble if it's not going straight, as we've mentioned. However, if you want to hit it short and straight, that seems just as acceptable at this course. The degree of difficulty is going to be ratcheted up a little bit on your iron play, but those guys are still live here, Joe. Yeah, and and you mentioned the year that Rory had, Kenny, and he was rushing it off the tee. He led in driving distance by a substantial margin. But he was also, I think, 19th in fairways hit that week. So he just had one of those weeks where, like Pat mentioned, if you absolutely have a peak A-plus week off the tee with the driver, you're going to dominate. That's not the norm. Rory hits about 55% of fairways right now recently over the last 36 or 50 rounds. I think the player that's interesting is the Spieth, is the Kuchar, is the Louie. Guys who are consistently hitting a lot of fairways and are really savvy around the greens. And one of the guys, like I'm interested in Taylor Gooch. There, you know, there are oh, certain uh, accounts we, on Twitter we, who we will tell you not, he's the best player in the world. We yeah, one of those is Tim Andrews. Uh, we just call him Live Tiger now because that's who he is. <laughs> he's the best player in the world by hey. far. All he's winning. He's lead- all the things that you guys have mentioned, I don't want to step on you and maybe step on some of your picks, but like I don't have a ton of interest in this upper $7,000 level. Like, If he wasn't so shitty at the Open Championship, Keegan just like is lining up to be a great play, but he's been so bad at the British Open over the years. The name I wanted to get to is Denny McCarthy. Doesn't this just... He's never played in the Open Championship. That's your boy, Joe. That's my boy. It, I was very surprised he did not decide to play the Scottish to get over there and get a little like action in over there. But you're right. He's never played it, but he's in the best form of his entire life right now. Um, he does hit a good percentage of fairways. He obviously has the special asset that's sort of unquantifiable with the putter. Like him and Cam are the two best putters in the world to me. And the iron play and the ball striking has really improved. He's got four straight top 20s and three of those are inside the top seven and with outside the John Deere, he's moving himself in big time elevating events at courses he shouldn't at Wells Fargo, at Oak Hill, at the at the U.S. Open at LACC, normally not places that you would peg or a real Denny spot. He's still being able to show up and the harder it gets, you know, he kind of mentioned this at Memorial that he really likes a difficult task. And I think if this does play around minus 10 under par, which May not seem like that, but they did adjust par this year down one to a par 71. So I expect the scoring to be a little bit lower. Um, 
I think he's a great play. I just worry that he has zero history. Really, not even just at the Open playing anywhere in Europe as I look through his numbers. I think that's going to be okay because if we do comp it to Royal St. George's, obviously a first-time Open player won that, and his ex- his other experience on links did not go very well for Colin Morikawa, hence no one bet him. So when you take a look at the leaderboard that year, that's why I wanted to bring up that year and make this comp back so I could try to sell you on my Denny point, which doesn't seem like you guys need to be sold on, but maybe you out there, those of you who want to get in that draw, for 2000 bucks, I need to sell you. Probably not on getting into that draw, although please go do all that stuff. But on Denny McCarthy, you have those like great tee to green ball striking guys who finish inside the top 20. Hovland, Connors, Casey, Finau, Scheffler, Dustin, Grio, Lowry. They're all up there. But then you have Mac Hughes. You have Marcel Seam, who you had mentioned a little bit earlier. Brant Snedeker, Brian Harmon, Justin Harding. Like Denny McCarthy is just the good Justin Harding, isn't he, Joe? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting cop I hadn't thought of before, but uh, he's just playing so good, and and I continue to ride form in these type of events and major championships. And I, my concern is the history, but he's at a very attractive price point where you can plug and play him. And if he top twenties like he's been doing consistently, he's going to pay you back at seventy three hundred. And Si Woo is exactly the same price, Kenny. So if Si Woo can putt, every other part of his game points to him being great here. Yeah, it would seem like it. Koreans don't really have the best track record uh, at the Open Championship. I, I'm not. Sh- I'm not so sure about Siwoo, uh, how he's done. With- I mean, yeah, he finished 15th at St Andrews, but that was his best finish ever. And again, it's hard to compare St Andrews to the other Lynx courses. I, just, I, I want to roster some Koreans, but I, I don't know if I will. Uh, they just they just don't seem to do well in these type of events. I mean, I think the the the, the chalk play down here is going to be probably Harmon. Um, I think he finished like top 30 at this event in 2014. The the form is going really, really strong. Um, he's in the top 10 right now going into Sunday at the Scottish Open. I think Denny would make a good pivot from Chalk Harmon. Yeah, Harmon with two top 10s entering play, including a top 10 at an elevated event at the Travelers, a place where he has played really well. You mentioned that he had the form almost 10 years ago, and he's playing really well in Scotland right now. I'm just never a big brian Harmon guy joe and i if he wants to suck up the ownership in this range go for it go for it i will not be on any brian Harmon. uh what about the interesting one right below there how popular do you think your boy adrian moronk is going to be next week not very okay do you like he was popular like he was popular at the canadian open sucked he was popular this week at the scottish open sucked i think people are just done with him I don't know. I think that people may go back to him. I'm considering it. He's so, so good off the tee. And if that is important, like I was kind of kidding about this last week, but you look at his off the tee numbers and he's been like Scotty Scheffler of the DP World Tour. He's gaining over a stroke on the second best player per round over there. And while he does have his missed cuts sprinkled in, uh, he also has like third, 15th, 5th, first you know seven weeks ago so if you go back far enough he does have those spike performances that are always intriguing at someone at 7200 and obviously the Lynx experience playing over there on that tour it does but he does i mean he had a t22 last year at the alfred dunhill Lynx championship which is just an easy i mean st andrews is a part of that road of the three course rotation where you can kind of 
get away. I mean, good drivers at St. Andrews. That's where you want to be. The Irish Open last year, not a Lynx course. A very, not necessarily tree-lined, but a very big driving course where you need to be accurate, you need to be long. The Italian Open, where he won, where the Ryder Cup is going to be. You know, hitting fairways, driving it well. Lynxy style courses, he's kind of been god-awful. Like that's just it's not, fair. I haven't like, like this. Just, it, that's not his game. Like I, I bet you he might win Wentworth, which is like the opposite of this course. Yeah, it's a good one for him. You so, think he's on the Ryder Cup team? I do. I, I think the win in Italy, like I in, do too. In, unless he sucks the rest of like the next two months. Like, as long as he does something at some tournament and finishes inside, even if it's like a crappy DP event at the end of August, like that'll be good enough. Yeah, I agree. And you make history by having the first Polish player on the team. And he's been <laughs> one of the best European exclusive players over the past two years, uh, who is European. Like, I mean, Thirsty Lawrence would be the other one, I guess. Lethalabal would be up there as well with the amount of wins that he has. But I just feel like with what you're getting from Moronk and some of the guys that we talked about a little bit earlier, and like, not necessarily like the, the high fives, but like the mid sixes, I don't see that big of a discrepancy between him and some of those guys. But I'm wrong all the time. So, yeah, you have to worry about me with that one. I still like Kitayama. I like Kitayama more than I like uh, Adrian Moronk. Kenny. I wouldn't mind going back to Norn down there at 7,100 with his Lynx prowess, even though he sort of shit the bed this past week. Yeah, it was fake Lynx. Don't worry about that. that that's the excuse there we use for everyone. I, I mean, I, I would have more fun with... I mean, I don't know what to do with Shank. He's just playing great golf, but this might be a stage a bit too big for him. Like, if Kitayama makes the cut, he's going to be in the mix. And listen, coastal courses, these Florida courses that everyone's comping, that's where he plays well, so I'm going to play him. And I'll probably just play Thomas Peters, Joe, who just plays well at Open Championships and has played really well at Majors so far. Yeah, Lucas Herbert is someone who I was on this week who's right in that range as well. Peters is, you know, I thought that he was going to play much better better on live tour this year because he actually came into it with a good bit of form it seems like the perfect setup for like what he would enjoy which is less golf three rounds and go out there and in top five everything and it hasn't really been the case uh but there are a lot like even in this low 7k range there are a lot like this is going to be an interesting spot and even in the high sixes where you have like a more established more career-driven player on the PGA Tour versus a little bit of an unknown, but a guy who has much more experience on Lynx-style courses. Like, when you get down to Bjork and McIntyre and Jordan Smith and the high sixes, like, do you favor someone like that over a player who has had more career accomplishments on the PGA Tour, like a Horschel or Brendan Todd? Uh, This is going to be a very interesting range, and I think someone where no matter what where you start at, you're going to have to kind of make a decision here. Yes, I think this is the range where it starts becoming, I would rather play Jordan Smith over Brennan Todd, Kenny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would rather play Bobby Mack probably over Brennan Todd or whoever else with, with the uh, tour experience down there just because of how good he is um, you know, at this event, at least courses. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely down with that. I like Usti too. I guess you can't really count him as a, as a non-PGA player, but I guess you could, uh, but I, I, that range, there's definitely some plays in that in that top 6K range that are very, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't missed a cut since the Masters. 
because he plays on live tours and therefore you cannot miss the cut, but he has two top and six. He had a top five recently, yeah. right? Yeah. Two top six finishes in his past three starts on live. He's kind of ramping up his game. It seems like this was the tournament that he knows he gets to play this till he's 60 years old. So this is the one that he's going to focus on the rest of his career. Maybe use it to propel him back into some of the other major championships, but I like him at $6,900. Like, I don't think that he's going to be popular. We're, maybe we're doing this in honor of Ben Raza not being here. Shout out to Ben who went on vacation. He left his house, Joe. That's amazing. Is he going to get a little sun or what? Is he down uh, south? Let's 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 you know, pump the brakes on getting some sun here, okay? Like, he's got to go to a horse race, right? So he's probably going to get some sun, right? I, I saw him at a horse race. I mean, I didn't see him. I saw pictures of him at a horse race yesterday. So enjoy. Uh-huh. Live it up, Ben. You know, we got, we got to come back, do your open content. Stochastic.com, by the way. Follow Ben on Twitter at JazzRazDFS. It's the first time he hasn't been on one of these shows in like four years. So I'm happy that he ended up going on vacation. And I'm happy to talk to you guys. But I, I the names I have penciled in here, Jordan Smith, Thorbjorn Olsen, and Louie. Those are the ones that I really like from this range. Now you can start selling me on other guys if you want to, like Bobby Mack is there. Bjalk, as you mentioned, Willett's made the cut at like every open, like in infinity years. Uh, I was going to say Montel Jordan, but Matthew Jordan, I mean, this is his home course. He's 6,500 bucks. He qualified for it. But then you actually have like the PGA dudes who are down here who do, I mean, they're playing well in Scotland. Uh, now we're not going to consider it fake links because they're playing well there, Joe, but you got Putnam and Poston and, you know, Taylor Moore is a good player. Dietrich is a good player. Like, they're very cheap. Yeah, this is that decision-making range. I'm probably, as we sit here on the weekend before this, inclined to play the Euro guys a little bit more. I like Jordan Smith. I like Robert McIntyre. I even like Yannick Paul at 6,500, who's a great approach player, um, who's playing pretty well this week as well, has two top five or two top eights, excuse me, in his last three starts before this. Um, those guys who have a lot to play for, another guy that's sort of right on that fringe of the Ryder Cup team, uh, I'm probably more inclined to go with them as they're more familiar with what the task is going to be at hand next week. So, Kenny... Cust was texting with me this morning and running names by me to make his picks. He asked me who Sebastian Soderberg was. Um, that was just a question that he had. And I think he decided on Yannick Paul as one of his picks. Uh, he didn't know who that was, but he knew that he was European, so that was good enough for him. Yeah, Steven Soderberg, I thought, was the guy who directed traffic. So I'm not I'm not, uh, not, not really sure about his game. Uh, but Yannick Paul, I mean, the guy has been playing – you know, top 10 finishes a bunch. I know earlier in the year, yeah. he was super strong. Uh, and people were talking about the Ryder Cup. I think in when it came to European points, I think he was actually, like, on the team at some point in time. I don't know if he is anymore. Uh, but I I don't know about guys. They're sort of a newer batch, right, when it comes to Yannick Ball. I, I sort of like the established Euros, like a Jordan Smith uh, down there. Do I do, like, in that range, like a Bobby Mack? I'd probably rather go in those directions. All right. Well, the last thing that we're going to do is draft our million-dollar lineup. We'll each get two picks apiece. We'll go in snake fashion. And, oh, you guys, uh, I got a number in my head between 1 and 20. Whoever is closest to that can have the first pick between you two. Kenny, take your pick. Seven. Joe? Eight. The number is four. So, Kenny, you win. You get the first pick in this draft. We're going Rory. 
Okay, so Rory eating up a... T Kenny's coming in saying, I'll just take who I want. I don't care about the rest of you because I'm going to eat up mm -hmm. all your salary at the top with Rory McIlroy, probably where I would go as well. So, Joe, you have the second pick. Rory McIlroy is already in. We have $7,600 remaining for this lineup. Okay, I hope this doesn't throw too much of a wrinkle in it, but I'm going to take Dustin Johnson at 9200 Okay, I think that helps. So what I can do here is take one of my favorites and leave us with like $6,300 left, which is which I'm going to do right now to force us to go to the bottom with our pick. So Rory and Dustin are already in. I shall draft Ricky Fowler. So Kenny, $6,300 remaining per player. All right, let's go down the list here. I mean... Wow, okay. Um uh, let's just go down to Southgate. I'll give you guys a chance to get some guys up uh, in the in the higher range. I'll do the punt play and, and the top play and just fair. Matthew Southgate, fifty six hundred dollars has been drafted to this lineup, Joe. It is your pick. We have sixty seven fifty remaining for two players. Okay, I'll leave you some dollars to kind of round us out, Pat, and go Antoine Rosner, 5800 Really? Rosner? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm looking at Daniel Hillier's stats from the Scottish Open. Third off the tee, 13 in approach. And this is like a good field. 69th around the green, 76th in putting. Probably not going to cut it, but what if he does putt for one week? Wouldn't that be great? I'm really liking this guy. He's it's always gonna, great. He's going to shoot like fucking a million on Thursday after right. I have a first round leader bet on him. So that leaves me $7,700. So the top of this price range is Minwoo and Connors, both at $7,000. Keegan Bradley and Patrick Reed are both at $7,600. Then you have like Neiman, Thiegala, Fox. I don't love any of these guys, but I do think that Corey Connors is my preference of all of them. So our team would be Rory, Dustin, Ricky, Connors, Southgate, and Antoine Rosner. How do you guys feel about that lineup? If we can get the 5K guys through the cut line, I feel real good about it. Yes. It's all about making that cut. <laughs> all right. How about what? I mean, is there anyone in the lower sixes you feel better about, Joe, than Rosner? Because I'm willing to trade Corey Connors and turn okay. him into Denny McCarthy at 73, which would leave you $6,200 for a selection now. Okay, let me look at 6,200 here. L Lawrence, Loughton. Loughton, I actually kind of do like Stenson, Arnas, Scott Stallings. Or is that the other Stallings? No, it is Scott Stallings. Uh, Ewan Ferguson. Like, I like Ferguson and Hillier better than I like Rosner. But that's me. You can, Maybe you like Richard Bland or Ben Griffin better. Who yeah, knows? let's go Hillier. Let's go Hillier. I kind of want him in there. Uh, I see. That guy, I'm telling you, man, this guy's going to fucking suck now. <laughs> now that I'm on it. <laughs> but he's going to win us a million dollars. There you go. Wouldn't that be nice? Are we chopping that three ways just for the record? No, we are not. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll cut you in at some point, uh, but it's not going to be an even split. It's my money we'll that I'm nice putting tip. up here. Yeah. Like, yep, are, are, you guys, nice tip. are you guys going to send me? You know, I entered it in the 4,444. So if you want to send me the uh, one third of that buy-in entry, then sure, I'll split it with you. Mm. I didn't really. Good, I didn't, Pat. I didn't really do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But maybe you guys can win the $2,000. 
rate, review, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple or Spotify. Leave that rating and review, uh, and you'll get yourself into the draw sub of the newsletter. We'll have probably a full column being emailed to you with stats on Sunday evening, so be on the lookout for that. I got the research show out already with Steve Bamford. My player-by-player preview with Ben Coley is already out as well, but you guys have a ton of content coming out this week, so Joe, let everyone know your schedule and where to find all of that content outside of your Twitter at Torpix. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Pat. And thanks for the opportunity. And that is probably the biggest cash giveaway I've ever seen on golf Twitter. So make sure that you enter that Um, preferred lines podcast will go live on Monday night. Uh, I'm still working on exactly who all is going to join me as a guest, but please check that out at 8 p.m. Eastern on Monday night. I have the jock market power hour with Rick Gaiman. I have the tour junkies content coming out as well as the chalk bomb article, which comes out every Wednesday. Uh, so really appreciate this opportunity to do the show with you. Wish you both the best of luck and everyone out there. I'm excited for, for the open championship and to see what everything has in store. It's my favorite major to watch, Kenny. I like to get up early. I like to watch it. Hopefully it's on TV, unlike half of the Scottish Open. But I know that you had mentioned that Fantasy Golf Degenerates with you and Tambo is coming out on Sunday evening on Mayo Media Network. So everyone go watch that. But I know that you have stuff coming out at Gup's Corner as well. What's your schedule like this week? Yeah, so I got the pod tomorrow with Tambo, like you said, on Mayo Media Network. That'll be out uh, tomorrow night. We got on Sunday night. We do have um, my article, uh, my course preview article that will go over the course will come out Monday. Wednesday, I will add any updates to the course uh, preview. Also go over my Cash Game Cornerstones, final betting card, favorite GPP plays, fade of the week all over on Gup's Corner. Also Wednesday evening, I will do the E9 podcast with Gup probably you know a few hours before uh, tee-off. Uh, on um, on Thursday morning. Uh, so go check that out. If you're a member of Gub's Corner, use promo code Kenny. Save yourself 30%. And I'm off Thursday and Friday. I get off, I, I've, I've had my boss is cool as shit. He knows my side gig. So I get off Thursday and Friday of every major week. So I'm definitely looking forward to this week. You can follow Kenny at KendoVT on Twitter. You can follow me at the PME. And if you share around some of the shows that I tweet out, those are automatic one entry per retweet into the draw for $2,000. Sub to Mayo Media Network. That will get you some ballots in that draw as well. And subscribe to that newsletter, like I mentioned, because I already have two shows out. This is number three for the week. And then Monday with Feinberg and Cust, Tuesday with Rob and Cam. And Wednesday, wrapping it all up live with your questions with Tyler Tampolini at ToeTag and Tambo and then we'll have the Cut Sweat Show live. All of my article coming out. Multiple newsletters throughout the course of the week and all of those stats and research are powered by fantasynational.com. You go to fantasynational.com slash mayo right now if you want to get the leg up on everyone slash mayo get you 20% off just get the fucking weekly it's eight bucks you're going to invest more than that into this so you might as well get the best research possible. Okay? Thank you. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.